Welcome everybody to another episode of Strife's Sanctum. My name is Citizen Strife and this week we're going to talk about two games. Not just one, because despite being two different games, they share so much in common. It felt only right to do both at the same time. And as you can see, it's Castlevania, Aria, and Dawn of Sorrow. Now, there was a big stir about the changeover from platformer to the Symphony of the Night format. I came along during the Symphony of the Night days, during the PlayStation 1 days, so while most of the other games on the, say, the N64 or the PS2 decided to go for more action-based gaming, I know specifically Lament of Innocence went for more Devil May Cry-style uh, action comboing, the handheld versions of Castlevania kind of stayed with the Symphony of the Night Edge. They would re-release, you know, platformer versions, but for the longest time they did not do platformers ever again. They would re-release one in different forms and maybe Dracula X and forms of Dracula X Chronicles and whatnot, but by and large Castlevania changed into, for at least a good decade until Konami went Konami, they went into the action platformer RPG kind of thing. And they had a couple of games like Circle of the Moon and Harmony of Dissonance, but the one that everybody speaks to as being on par with Symphony of the Night, I don't say I would agree, but again, this is just maybe nostalgia bias for me, is Aria of Sorrow. And to be honest, I didn't actually play Aria first. I played Aria, finally, thanks to the PS4 collection. My introduction to the Soma Cruz duology was Dawn of Sorrow on the DS, because I kind of skipped over the Game Boy Advance and got the DS when I got the DS, because I was more of a, of a PlayStation guy. I didn't really think of getting the Game Boy Advance at the time. Far be it for me, I was kind of dumb, but what can you do? But now that I've had both and experienced both, I can say Arya is slightly better, but mostly just because it holds to the template, it begins the template, which you would start seeing in the other two DS games, and even, to an extent, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night would follow that kind of souls mechanic. So, Arya of Sorrow begins our story of Soma Cruz. And this is at the time where, along with Alucard, you started seeing people away from Belmont. You, you'd seen that sometimes with bloodlines and whatnot. But this is when non-Belmont started to take hold. You'd still get them on some time, you know, like Lament of Innocence had uh, Leon Belmont. But by and large, they were starting to go away from the Belmont clan. You would still see them in these games for sure, but the main characters would not be the Belmonts anymore. But it still didn't really ruin the games at all. It didn't change the games to do something different because you had what Alucard succeeded in doing, which was, I'm a swords guy. I'm a, I can turn into a bat. I can turn into a wolf. I can do tons of things. Soma's main mechanic was the ability to draw souls and use their powers, much like a mime or a mimic from, say, Final Fantasy would do. Um, so the souls mechanic by and large alongside the weaponry gave you so much versatility. It is just 
absurd the amount of things you can do. Fireballs, laser beams, defensive weapons, regenerating health with a vacuum cleaner. Yes, it is a thing. Just, you know, and passive buffs if you want. Just straight passives, you know. But seriously, a skeleton-shaped vacuum cleaner. Look it up. It's it's amazing. Um, but... Soma is able to take pretty much any enemy in the game. I don't think all of them, but nearly any enemy, including bosses, and use a power, give or take, something that they would do as an attack. If not, it would be a buff that sort of resembles. Not all of them do. Because when you're talking about a hundred different ideas, or a hundred different souls, maybe even two hundred, some of them start to get a little ridiculous and silly. But then again, you just turn on Legion, and he has three lasers that shoot enemies with Doom, and it's like, well, what the fuck do you care? He's got laser beams. What do you have? Nothing. So Soma is able to use whatever weapons he wants, including guns, and then add on the Souls mechanics, and then the typical, um, I don't know what you would call them, passive, uh, passive progression skills? That's... Yeah, passive progression abilities like flight, armor, which would slow his descent. You would have the double jump. You would turn into a bat to get to the end of the game. A lot of that ties into the progression mechanic. And I think Aria of Sorrow does a better job of giving you more to do to actually reach that ending than Dawn of Sorrow does. Dawn kind of forces you to, oh, equip the one thing you got like right after, like right before the final boss. If you don't do it, you get the bad ending. It's kind of... Aria of Sorrow gives you a little bit more to work with and a little bit of a guessing game and gives you, you know, two to three hours more content, give or take, than Dawn of Sorrow, which is just, oh, we'll give you a final dungeon. That's great. Um, but along with Soma is Mina Hakuba of the... Haku it's Hakuba or Hakubi? I believe it's the Hakubi, but I'm not sure. I think it's Hakubi. Um, unfortunately, as interesting as an idea as, hey, I have a love interest in a Castlevania game. Isn't that great? Mina doesn't do anything, which is unfortunate. Because maybe this was just Iga's thing. Maybe it was just not something. Well, it's funny. Now that I think about it, it's funny that Mina doesn't get to do anything other than be Soma's love interest when you consider that in the same game there is a female character that can, at least in Dawn's case, act as a as a party member. And then later on in other games, specifically Bloodstained, you would use a female protagonist. So I don't... It's kind of odd that, say, Maria in Symphony of the Night and Mina in this, not so much Charlotte from, you know, Portrait of Ruin because she was a secondary main character, but it did always feel like female characters got the shaft for a while in these Castlevania games. And again, that could speak to Japan, you know, not having gender specific things. I mean, Final Fantasy did the same thing for the longest time. They didn't focus on female main characters for a while. And, you know, there would be Spotty at best, or they would use viewpoint characters like Titus and Vaughn. Fuck you, Vaughn, you suck. But, you know, whether the story called for them to be main characters or not, you know, the female characters kind of got waylaid sometimes. 
But anyway, long story short, Mina doesn't really get to do much. She kind of acts as a free heel and somebody to give you advice if you're stuck in a, in a place. If you don't know where to progress or if you don't know like what skill you need, she'll provide intel from someone named as Genya Arikado. And if that name sounds familiar to you, it's because it's Alucard. I'm just gonna say it because the game is not subtle about it. Uh, one of the characters even kind of just lets it slip, so I'm not even gonna try and bother. Everybody probably knows that. But in this Genya Arikado form, he's this secret agent that's tasked with, you know, knowing that Soma is going into the solar eclipse and fighting off Dracula's resurrection. And as Alucard in Dawn of Sorrow can fight much like he does in Symphony. And again, the other characters get their own mode. Soma is the main character in his own. If you want to use, say, Arikado and, or Alucard, if you want to use Yoko or Julius Belmont, they get their own mode in Dawn. They don't get to do that in Aria, which is unfortunate. But... Um, but Alucard does many of the staples that he did in Symphony. Not all of them, but most of the, like, Dracula staples. The triple fireballs, the uh, turning into a bat. Most of those things. He he still gets to use swords and whatnot, but I don't think it's... Oh, yeah, he also gets the teleporty sword thing where he goes behind an opponent and hits him a couple of times. So he gets a very dumbed-down amount of things but that makes sense he's not the main character and these secondary modes are meant to be kind of harder versions of the the campaign so Arikado's out, the, out to look for Soma and make sure he doesn't basically absorb too much of Dracula's power and then become Dracula himself so he gives him advice here and there helps out in the in the plot when he needs to and just tells him to shut the fuck up and stop being a dude because Soma is a bit of a dumb fuck um he's too easily uh led astray not so much in the second game he's more played as the fool in the romantic sense in the first game he's played for a fool in the uh plot sense he doesn't have a sense for who is to be trusted and he's kind of a dope so you need somebody like alucard who is basically tailing him to tell him what he needs to do and not do so while he's going along, he keeps going on, and then he finds Yoko Belnades, who is a descendant of Saifa. And Yoko pretty much acts um, basically like Saifa would. But again, therein lies the problem with Soma, is he's a bit of a chauvinist. And Hammer, who is a, just some guy who comes in alongside Yoko, well, not alongside Yoko, but then sees her. Like, Soma and Hunt and Hammer kind of... Like, all of the main characters, the main male characters, outside of Genya, I think, outside of Alucard, tend to treat Yoko like she's a piece of dirt. Like, she's not fit to fight, even though she can throw ice, lightning, and fire with the best of them, because she's Belnades. Of course she fucking can. Um, so it's the polar opposite of the Castlevania anime where yo where Saifa basically browbeats Trevor because he's a drunk and she's the like the main go-getter of the party Yoko's treated like second fiddle and she will she gets pissed 
when you call him out on it. And especially, like I said, Soma's a bit of a bit of a dork. He's a college kid. He's a bit of a jock in a way. So for him to treat Yoko, who's pretty good at her job, like that is kind of kind of sad. So Mina and Yoko honestly don't get a lot to do. And that's endemic of the plot, I think. Castlevania is not known for having plot. You get just enough to do the thing, to do the stabby thing with the stabs and the bats and the Draculas and the fires and the resurrections and the whips and the, you know, that shit. The the plot is a means to the end of the thing. I think Dawn does a little bit better because it comes across as multiple people in a cult trying to do what Graham Jones in Arya did, which was resurrect Dracula as a descendant of Dracula. Go to the Eclipse and then summon all of the powers of Dracula within said castle to become the new Dracula. And now there's multiple people, and they're led by a... They're just led by some crazy cult lady that thinks this is the way to go. So you're fighting... Uh, I believe it's Dimitri, who has the ability to kind of suck different souls into himself, much like Soma does. And Dario, whose whole thing is, I set stuff on fire. And I become a giant fire demon because setting stuff on fire is cool. So those two act as the mirror to Graham, who in Arya is more just, I'm just a guy who owns this castle welcome to my abode he's a bit self-absorbed and doesn't understand that soma is the real threat and i do kind of like that in both instances Arya and dawn that dracula himself is not really the final boss like you'll see death here and there but for a while in castlevania games dracula himself was not the final boss uh in lament of innocence death was in Arya, it was a thing known as chaos because you go to this place called the Chaotic Realm, which is just a copy-paste of different environments, but they're all monochrome and weird and shit. And then in Dawn, you face Menace. So yeah, I do give them credit for trying to break out of the old habits because this is like 10 or 15 games at this point. Fighting Dracula is the thing you're doing, but it's still kind of nice to go against the grain, but still have the same, you know, still have the same components there, fighting style-wise, but for a plot to try to deviate a little bit before going back to Dracula, you know, more often. Because, again, you want to fight Dracula because it's a Castlevania or a Dracula game, but at the same time, you don't always have to do it. And as much as I don't like Soma... I can at least respect the fact that they tried something different. Soma is not my favorite main character, but I give them credit for trying to create a backstory. As far as the game goes, the Belmont connection comes in via Julius Belmont. And while Soma can use whips, Julius himself is the Richter, Trevor, Leon, Simon thing. And he does not know who he is and is also tasked with getting rid of Soma if he goes off the deep end, which can happen. And it actually leads to some of the best parts of the game because Soma gets all the skills that you would expect somebody to do. The Souls mechanics are really in-depth again. 
super sucking skeleton vacuum. I'm always going to break that up because it's awesome. But any any kind of like straightforward dagger, short sword, long sword, sweeping sword, claymore type. You've got lances, you've got guns, you've got this, you've got that. All the stuff you'd expect from a Symphony of the Night type Castlevania game, the Metroidvania style is present and then of course all the souls you get so much versatility i preferred going with whatever gave me the most clearance of stuff that's straight in front of me but also kind of at a diagonal because it's easy enough to turn around and deal with stuff from behind you so you don't need like a defensive strategy you need just enough offense to handle enemies that are trying to snipe you from a weird angle like bats and you know slimes and shit to get them out of the way so that you can do that. I reminds me of like Bloodstained where you had certain skills that would benefit you in certain directions and until you get something like a like the welcome company or the paintings that would revolve around you as a defensive barrier until you got that stuff you could kind of do a lot of stuff but you could be a you could be a tank or you can just go for straightforward fast attacks, or you can just take pure damage, like the heavy lances or the heavy swords or the slow-moving um, swords. Again, I, I've always said that my preference would be the shorter, quicker moves. Not always going to be the case, and it depends on the enemy. I think the boss versatility on display is very present in Arya and Dawn of Sorrow. And one of the cool things about Dawn of Sorrow specifically is just how ugly looking certain things are. I remember there was a boss called Gurgoth, which was just this gigantic fucking thing of teeth. It's like a dinosaur with its with a couple of its legs cut off and it's just a giant mouth of teeth just trying to bleed at you. Uh, or a puppet master who's just this face with arms and shit. And then Legion comes back in Arya to be Legion. So he's the the decaying pustule orb of bodies and then it in in encases the dude with lasers, you know. It's it's just all the staples of Castlevania gore and blood that you'd expect even on handhelds. I'd say Dawn of Sorrow looks better, but again, you're you're comparing it it looks and sounds better. But I think that's going to be par for the course like final fantasy 7 is going to look better than final fantasy 6 and then final fantasy 10 is going to look better than final fantasy 9 just because you're jumping up in class in in a platform now unless you really shit the bed and don't do it very well you can make a shittier game on a different platform and that has happened but by and large dawn of sorrow is built on the back of aria's success which is why i like it more that being said, if you're looking for the more auditory experience, if you're looking for the more visual experience, you want to go with Dawn of Sorrow. Where I think Dawn fails is the DS mechanics, where they try to add in this stylus thing where, okay, I just beat Balor, so I'm going to use it to destroy these ice cube thingies, and it's really silly. That only happens like two or three times in the game. Um... The other problem is bosses don't just up and die. You know, you're kind of waiting for that level up screen, you know, that level up prompt to hit, to hit, and you go, yeah, I beat the thing. Only you don't. Uh, Dawn has this soul 
glyph. I believe it's called a glyph mechanic where it's a seal, like a demon seal. And you use the stylus on the touchscreen in a specific pattern. And they get more and more unique as, t as the game goes on to the point where you're kind of zigging and zagging, but you don't really have a lot of time to do the trial and error. And when you're basically giving the final boss or the bosses, any bosses for that matter, a second wind, and you're say at super low health and you fuck up just because of the because of the DS mechanic, it does get a little frustrating. Aria doesn't have that problem. It doesn't have any gimmicks really. It has a gimmick based on what its progression is. And I've said its progression is the more Symphony of the Night. Go here to find a thing and then go down to the depths to find another thing and then keep going till you learn like a slide, then you learn double jump, then you learn a batter, you you know, whatever, you know, get multiple things. Dawn kind of goes same beats, same areas, same enemies. They look better. They sound better. Some of the songs in Dawn of Sorrow are really good, and they sound almost as good as stuff from Symphony of the Night. But you don't have you don't have the gameplay strength because you have these DS mechanics bogging it down. And I think that's where that's where you know popular popular belief and popular opinion kind of lies. The soundtracks both sound good. Again, I would think Dawn of Sorrow is better, but I think Arya has a better, like, best song. Uh, Dawn, I believe my favorite song was The Condemned Tower, this really soft, subtle, disturbing um, climb up a up a prison until you get this, this really um, frantic ending bit. And then this was the place where you fight the dinosaur with blood on his teeth and shit, the Gurgoth. But Arya has you fighting Julius Belmont near the end. And they get the Heart of Fire. And it's a really, really cool kind of Mitsuru Yamane version of those old-school Castlevania themes, the Bloody Tears, the Vampire Killers. It sounds very reminiscent of those types of things. And she has her own style. Very staccato-based, a lot of changes, a lot of nuance. And sometimes... She gets into the hard rock mode, but she tends to stay away from that and goes to the more classical, just classical music interpretation than a straightforward rock and roll or metal style. But for her to mimic something like a vampire killer or a bloody tears, especially when you're fighting against probably the toughest boss in the game, it is well regarded for a reason. But... Don't sleep on Dawn of Sorrow's soundtrack either. I think the, it has the better version of the of the Dracula top floor mechanic known as the Pinnacle. And, you know, you're splitting hairs. It's done the same by the same person, just on different hardware. And that's, at the end of the day, what Castlevania, Aria, and Dawn of Sorrow are. The same characters going through similar story beats in different ways. Arya gets the benefit that it doesn't get bogged down by DS mechanics. Dawn of Sorrow benefits by being on better hardware and having a lot more visual spectacle, a lot more uh, panache to its visuals and backgrounds and uh, monsters and music. But you're not going to go wrong either way. I think eventually they're going to find a way to get rid of the DS stuff altogether or, you know make it work in such a way that we can get it on a PS4 or PS5 platform, much like we did the Advanced Collection. 
I do like the fact that Konami is finally hunkering down and giving us access to these games again at the very least because it's been a while since Castlevania's had any presence and we've had to go into Bloodstain to get that uh, itch or we've had to have other indie games do it like Time Spinner or, or you know other Metroidvania so it's nice that these old school Castlevania games still get reference and still get reverence as they should but that'll do it for me today next week will be Spy X Family Core 1 those are the first 12 episodes and when I got to the end of this season, I have to admit to you, I would have never believed it, but it knocked off Bebop as my favorite anime, all because of the last thing I saw. The last part of the season was just so good and so out of left field. I was just like, you know what? I'm, I've been invested this whole time and you finally fucking got me. Something had me hooked from day one to the point where it's beaten Bebop and they've been you know, good shows like Konosuba and uh, Madoka Magica, but it's like nothing's ever topped Bebop, and yet I think Spy X Family did it. So I'm excited to talk about it once I get back from vacation. Um, next game I will do is Tales of Arise. It's the most recent Tales game, and I'm going to be doing that on, I'm going to do a playthrough of that once Phoenix Wright is done. So I'm going to get a head up, heads up on Tales of Arise. I enjoyed it until the ending, but what? I'll get into that. I suppose that'll be more spoilerific, I suppose. After that, Somali and the Forest Spirit. Uh, sort of like nuanced uh, father-daughter-ish story about these forest creatures, nymphs, and dwarves, and all this manner of weird things, but it has a subtle... Um, softness to it a sort of exploratory vision to it almost like mushishi does i, I wish i knew a, a term for that kind of show that's more show don't tell but it still has a decent story for what it is and then as far as games go legend of zelda link to the past i've yet to do legend of zelda for some reason and i'm going to start and I'm going to start with my favorite one, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. And I'm going to talk about how to deal with randomizers. Um, because I love Zelda randomizers quite a bit, specifically that one. That's the randomizer I love watching on Twitch or YouTube. And um, talking about Link to the Past is, is going to be a joy, I think. But that'll do it for me today. And I'll see you guys next time. Citizen Strife, signing off.